I want to start off this morning with a little article I found. There's a particular gospel song that came to be an anthem of the civil rights movement in the 1950s and 60s, often mistakenly believed to have been sung on plantations during slavery. It was originally written by a music teacher, Harry Dixon Lowe's, around 1920 as a children's song. The song, which has simple, repetitive lines with only one change per verse, lends itself to learning quickly and singing along perfect for bringing people together with a common cause. Each person sharing his or her light helps for us to appreciate and respect the little light that is different in each of us and that can bind us together in common unity. This song can remind each of us that we have something to offer with our spiritual gifts. In fact, the original verse contains these words, Jesus gave it to me. The song, for some of you might have already guessed, is This Little Light of Mine. And we have sung that song many times in children's or surroundings and maybe sometimes just to be very simplistic in saying this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And this morning, I want to talk along those same lines about what it means to shine. And particularly, as we have looked over here for uh, some time in Ephesians, and particularly last week when we looked at the gifts that God has given to each of us, that each of us has a spiritual gift or more, a blend of them, that are to be used for the body of Christ and not for ourselves. We each have a light to shine so that corporately we shine together to make a difference in the community around us. Many times we take that light and we fail to use it. But God is challenging each of us today and myself as I was going through this and preparing for this series, and particularly this sermon, how am I using my light? And more particularly for me to ask you, how are you using your light? So we're going to use our, from Ephesians 4 again, uh, we were going to stay in that passage of scripture, but I want to, I uh, won't be up on your screen yet, but I want to read to you a section from this again to remind us what God wants us to learn. So would you stand please with me as I just read this? Just listen carefully. <clears throat> as God speaks to us through the Apostle Paul when he wrote to the church at Ephesus. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the one very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity and the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then I drop down to verse 16. From him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for our time before you. Our time of worship. I thank you for those that continue to lead us before the throne of grace and truth. I thank you for this body of believers that do desire to shine brightly for you, not only on this corner, but throughout the world. I thank you for the men and the women, the boys and the girls that faithfully come here each week to say, Lord, we want to hear from you. Lord, we want to serve you. Lord, we want to follow your will. May now, as we spend a few moments together in your word, that will just continue to keep us in tune with you as we have in a time of worship. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So I titled this, Let It Shine. And if we were to look at a couple of verses back that I just read in another translation, it says this, and this is verses 7 and 16 from the same chapter 4 that we read in Ephesians. Christ has generously divided out his gifts to us. He, Christ, holds it together and makes us all parts work perfectly. And it grows and becomes strong because of love. As we've talked about last week, we have these gifts, and it's these gifts we get, and the, these gifts that we're to use come from Christ himself. It's not something for you and me to say, I want this particular gift, I want that gift, oh, please let me have this gift. I like how that person exercised his or her gift. I would like to have the same gift, but Jesus said, no, I have given you a gift. I know it's best, and I want you to use it for the body. But sometimes we fail to say, okay, Lord, how do I do that? What are the expectations that come upon me as an individual, but then corporately as a church, can I make a difference? Do you not find it ironic? And as I was preparing this, I, in Revelation, when Jesus was speaking through the Apostle John, he started talking, ready to give us a message to the seven churches. And he made reference in that. In fact, let me just read this to you. It won't be on the screen. But I, I just saw this and I, I said, okay, that's what it's about. He tells John, write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. He's telling the church to shine her light. He's telling you and me to shine our lights. And so we want to ask ourselves, if we're going to shine for him, how's it going to be possible? We're going to look at four things. We're going to look at the requirement, what is needed. We're going to look at our responsibility, what is expected. We're going to look at the results, what will happen. And we'll look at a reward, what will we receive? 
So in order for us to begin that, I want us to look at what requirement, what is needed. And we find that, the, that as we look at this, what the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm wondering if maybe perhaps he even thought about when the church first started. You know, when the church first started, it wasn't very good for him. Because remember, he was a persecutor of the church. But when we look at Acts in chapter 6, we find something that, that was the beginning of the church as far as the responsibilities that were being given out. And I want you to look at here in Acts chapter 6, and we're going to have one of the verses up there, but listen to this, all of it. It says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained with the Hebraic Jews because of their widows who were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who you are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. It says there that brothers and sisters choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them. So one of the things we might ask, what is required, what is needed? And we could say, here are some men. Notice it says, who are known. We didn't guess. We didn't figure out saying, well, let's randomly pick these. But these are seven men who are known. Good reputation. Who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And then from that, the seven were picked. So we need to say, okay, if we're going to let our light shine, one of the things is, can people see it? Is it known that your light is shining? But then when we look at that, we want to say, okay, but there's got to be more. There's not just this being known. But how does a person become known? And the second thing on this requirement is what is needed, as we find in Romans 12, 3. And again, I bring these passages of Scripture because in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 are other passages of Scripture where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And so I looked at some different verses that can surround this, that can help us to understand more fully what it means to shine our lights. So Romans 12, 3 says this, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think... Of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. We can see here it's the right attitude. Sometimes I think we get in a situation, and maybe not you so much, maybe I do, I think, well, you know, this is my gift, and people are lucky that I have it. And that's not the way He wants us to have it. It's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude of saying, I am here as a servant. I will have the right attitude with what light I will shine. But then he says also this. Now we go to 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit as he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We need to remember that, again, the gifts that we get from the Lord is by the Holy Spirit and he determines 
what is best. But don't sometimes we have the tendency of playing the Holy Spirit and we think we know what's best? But we need to say, okay, God, your Holy Spirit has come to me. Help me to know what is best for me to serve. But then as we look at the requirements here, then we, got, we want to go on to the next, and that's responsibility. What is expected? When we shine for Jesus, what is expected as a result? In Ephesians 4.12, which we have looked many times, it says to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And you might be saying, well, wait a minute, you just took part of a verse, and you forget it says, but he called some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. They're to do all the equipping. No, they're not. That is foundational, that Jesus knew how his church was to be established, but each of us have a responsibility to help each other be equipped. Yes, there are offices. I understand that. I, I understand that you, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Sims, they are here. They are called to bring word to the body and to equip you, but they're not to do all the work. So we need to say, okay, this our, a part of our responsibility is finding ways that I can help equip the body as well. Because when we do that, then our light shines. But then when we look at this next thing, I want to watch you follow this along in the message in Romans 12. It says this. What is expected from the Romans passage? Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Man, that hurts. If you preach, just preach God's message. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouragement, encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. You see, Paul, when he's telling us through the letter to the Romans, He's telling us in all this that we serve accordingly to God's spirit and not our own. And when I saw, saw that last one, and maybe it came to you as well, when I saw that, if you work with the disadvantaged, keep a smile on your face, inasmuch should have come to your mind. I mean, you have a pastor, Alan Biddle, almost 30 years, I think it is, it's close, that has faithfully served in this ministry 
and have brought many of you to do the same. And I know there's some of you sitting here this morning that have been very involved in, in as much ministry. And you're there to help, to shine your light. And you do it with a smile on your face. Is it frustrating? Yes, understand it is. Is it frustrating sometimes to help people because they just don't seem to get it? Yes, it is. But God is telling us, keep a smile on your face because I have it all under control anyway. Another thing of what to expect with our responsibility. Oh, in fact, I just thought of this too. I had a little note there, but I didn't think I was going to say You remember in the song... This little light of mine. I, I know you're singing it right now in your minds and stuff because I mentioned it. So it's just, you know, hurry up with the message so we can sing the song. Well, we're not going to sing it, okay? <laughs> Number one, because I'm up here and you don't want me to sing it. So, um, but remember what? Hide under a bushel? No. Hey, I, there we go. No, we don't hide it under a bushel. But we have the responsibility to keep shining. Peter says it this way, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards, as of God's grace in various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Can't say that enough. Our gifts are to serve others, always to serve others. It's never for us, but it's for us to use what God has given to us that we may benefit the needs of other people. But if we do that, what are the results? What will happen? If we understand what is required of us and our responsibility, what will happen for us? If we go back to Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says this, So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The church grew rapidly. When people are using their abilities that God has given us in what we call gifts, the church grows. Sometimes it might not seem evident, But it's not just about what happens today. It's what God is doing today to establish for tomorrow, for his kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we need to say that as a result of that, that we're going to see the church grow. It's going to grow numerically. It's going to grow internally as individuals as well. And then Peter said this again, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Again, remember last week I said one of the things about our gifts is so that God gets the praise, he gets the glory. And also then I shared too, remember, and I want us to look at it again. It's a, it's a scripture that we know, but we need to not ever forget it. In Matthew five sixteen. in the same way, let your light shine before men or before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's to bring glory to him. You know, and as I was reading that, I have the tendency, and maybe you do too, when you read the Bible, unfortunately, sometimes there are Bible divisions, there's sections, and we, and we think those are God-inspired, but they're not. Verses weren't put in the original text. 
They were put in there by man to maybe to give us the thoughts together, to give us a way of looking at the scriptures in a way that will help us to have an understanding. But as I was looking at that Matthew passage of scripture, remember it came from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus had a lot to say to us in chapter 5, 6, and 7 there. A lot of good information that will help us to grow as Christians, that will help us to be able to shine our light in a way that will be pleasing to him. But what comes before that section when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world? It's the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes tells us what makes us different from the world. The Beatitudes are the ones that will help us to know how we can prepare to shine our light. And so as I was thinking about this, okay, God, this is what needs to take place in my life. Take some time this week. We won't look at it now, but take some time this week and read the Beatitudes again with the thought, by doing this, my light will shine. That's what God wants us to understand. So if we do all this, what reward will come? We always like to see what our benefits, what will we receive? Paul, when he was with the church of Ephesus, as he was getting ready to leave them in Acts chapter 20, says this, Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you can possibly need in the community of holy friends. You see, he's saying, Paul's saying, I've done what I've been called to do here. I've spent my time with you almost three years. And now God has got you where he wants you to be, and he will lead and direct you and let you have your light shine to others as they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we see that we'll get everything that we need. And some people say, are you sure you get everything? He says everything. Might not be the way you want it, but he will give us everything that we need, not what we want. We always need to know the difference. But then on top of that, then what other things? I thought, okay, God, if we are faithful with the talents, the gifts that you give to us, what can we learn from that? What do we have? Well, it took me to Matthew 25, a very familiar passage to you, the parable of the talents. And if you remember in that story, when Jesus was telling the story, he said, the master, the king went off, but he brought his servants together and he gave them resources. He gave them their talents according to their particular expertise, if you want to say he gave them the amount that they, he knew they could handle. So he gave the first one five, gave the next one two, and the third one one. Now, many times we want to stop in the story right there, and we want to say, that's not fair. But the scripture says, according to what they could handle. Some can handle a little bit more than others, but they're all important, even the very one. So what the king goes off, and what happens was then the, the one that had five doubled his. And the response was, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. The one that had two doubled his. Here, master, it's back to you. I've doubled it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
In fact, I like even how this other translation said, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That's what it's about. But then the one that had just the one, I knew you were a hard master. And so here's your one back. And there wasn't kind words for that particular person. So at least, why didn't you just put it in the bank and get some interest? In other words, why didn't you just use it even a little bit instead of hiding it under a bushel? But we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing with our lights? Are we letting them shine so that others may see God, working in this place, working within the church. And like I've said many times too, it's not just Broadway Christian Church. Please keep in mind the church that Jesus has given to us. And when we go beyond Broadway and we think of the church at large, we are part of the kingdom. We will make a difference so as I was thinking of this, I wanted to say, okay, Lord, what has impacted me? One of the things, as far as I think of lights shining in the church. Some years ago, and it was some years ago, I came across a story, and you might have known the story, know the story too, that Max Lucado, a great author, if you haven't read any of Max's works and books, you just need to, but he wrote a book called God Came Near. And in that book, he had a storage, a, a story about storage closet. And there were some candles in this storage closet. And we're gonna, I'm going to read the story to you here. And I, and I think as you think about this story, I, a couple things I want you to pick up is, it's the, he, Max Lucado writes in a very humorous way, in a very um, uh, descriptive way. But in order for me to help you with the description... When I, when I used this story a long time ago in a gifting class, I went to a guy named Bill Schumann. Bill and Lori Schumann used to be a part of the Broadway church here. In fact, Lori was one of the church secretaries at one time. And Bill is very talented with his illustrative work and art. He uses it not for work, but he uses it for the glory of God. He has a very creative way. So I went to Bill and I said, Bill, here's this story these are some of my ideas, but you take the rest. And so you'll have the opportunity as I read this story to see some of his handiwork, his, his gifting. Here's how the story begins. A few nights ago, a peculiar thing happened. Electrical storm caused a blackout in our neighborhood. When the lights went out, I felt my way through the darkness into the storage closet where we keep the candles for nights like this. Through the glow of a lit match, I looked up on the shelf where the candles were stored. There they were, all positioned in their stands, melted to various degrees by previous missions. I took my match and lit four of them. How they illuminated the storage room. What had been a veil of blackness suddenly radiated with soft golden light. I could see the freezer I had just bumped my knee. 
that I just bumped with my knee, and I just could see the tools that needed to be straightened. How great it is to have light, I said out loud, and then spoke to the candles. If you do such a good job here in this storage closet, just wait. I'll get you out where you're really needed. I'll put one of you on my table so we can eat. I'll put one of you on my desk so I can read. I'll give one of you to Dylan so she can cross-stitch, and I'll set you down, the one I took down, the largest one, into the living room where you can light up the whole area. I felt a bit foolish talking to candles, but what do you do when the lights go out? I was turning to leave with a large candle in my hand when I heard a voice. Now behold it right, now hold it right there. I stopped. Somebody's in here, I thought. Then I relaxed. It's just Dylan and teasing me for talking to candles. Okay, honey, quit the kidding, I said in the semi-darkness. No answer. Hmm, maybe it was the wind. I took another step. Hold it, I said. That was a voice again. My hands began to sweat. Who said that? I did. The voice was near my hand. Who are you? What are you? I'm a candle. I looked at the candle I was holding. It was burning a strong golden flame. It was blue and set on a heavy wooden candle holder that had a firm handle. I looked around once more to see if the voice could be coming from another source. There's no one here but you. And the rest of the candles, the voice informed me. I lifted up the candle for, to take a closer look. You won't believe what I saw. There was a tiny face in the wax. I told you you wouldn't believe me. Not just a wax face that someone had carved, but a moving, functioning, flesh-like face full of expression and life. Don't take me out of here. What? I said, don't take me out of this room. What do you mean? I have to take you out. You're a candle. Your job is to give light. It's dark out there. People are stubbing their toes and walking into the walls. You have to come out and light up the place. But you can't take me out. I'm not ready. The candle explained with pleading eyes, I need more preparation. I couldn't believe my ears. More preparation? Yeah, I decided I need to research this job of light giving so I won't go out and make a bunch of mistakes. You'd be surprised how distorted the glow of an untrained candle can be. So I'm doing some studying. I just finished a book on wind resistance. I'm in the middle of a great series of tapes on wick buildup and conservation and I'm reading the best new seller on the flame display. Have you heard of it? No, I answered. You might call it. It's calling waxing eloquently. <laughs> that sounds like uh, I caught myself. What am I doing? I'm in here conversing with a candle with my, when my wife and daughters are out there in the darkness. All right, then, I said. You're not the only candles on the shelf. I'll blow you out and take the others. But just as I got my cheeks full of air, I heard other voices, we're not going either. It was a conspiracy. I turned around and looked at the other three candles, each with flames dancing above a miniature face. I was beyond feeling awkward about talking to candles. I was getting miffed. You are candles and your job is to light dark places. Well, that's what you may think said the candle on the far left, a long, thin fellow with a goatee and British accents. You may think we have to go out there, but I'm busy. Busy? Yes, I'm meditating. What? A candle that meditates? Yes, I'm meditating on the importance of light. It's really enlightening. I decided to reason with them. Listen, I appreciate the, what you guys are doing. I'm all for meditation time and for everyone to study and research, but for goodness sakes, you guys have been here for weeks 
Haven't you had enough time to get your wick on straight? And you two others, I ask, are you going to stay in here as well? A short, fat, purple candle with plump cheeks that reminded me of Santa Claus spoke up. I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. I lose my temper easily. I guess you could say that I'm a hothead. The last candle had a female voice, very pleasant to the ear. I like to help, she explained, but lighting the darkness is not my gift. All this was sounding too familiar. Not your gift? What do you mean? Well, I'm a singer. I sing to other candles to encourage them to burn more brightly. Without asking my permission, she began to the rendition of this little light of mine. I have to admit, she had a good voice. The other three joined in, filling the storage room with singing. Hey, I shouted above the music. I don't mind if you're singing while you work. In fact, we could use a little music out there. They didn't hear me. They were singing too loudly. I yelled louder. Come on, you guys. There's plenty of time for this later. We've got a crisis on our hands. They wouldn't stop. I put the candles on the shelf and took a step back and considered the absurdity of it all. Four perfectly healthy candles singing to each other about the light but refusing to come out of the closet. I had all I could take. One by one, I blew them out. They kept singing to the end. The last one to flicker was the female. I snuffed her out right in the puff part of won't let Satan puff me out. I stuck my hands in my pockets and walked back out into the darkness. I bumped my knee on the same freezer Then I bumped into my wife. Where are the candles? She asked. They don't, they won't work. Where did you buy those candles anyway? Oh, they're church candles. Remember the church that closed down the street? I bought them there. I understood. God has given us a light to shine. We have to be out of the closet to shine in a world that's dark. The Apostle Paul, Apostle John told us the same thing, that we have a dark world that needs to have light. And before we conclude on this one, though, you need to remember these words. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then you are the light of the world. Let your light shine for others. You see, Jesus is our source, and we are his reflection. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. So let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let's pray. Father, that is our desire. We want to have your light shine through us. Not so that it's us, but it's you that they see. Amen.